Good morning. Good morning. It's uh, good to see everyone this morning as we get ready for worship here at Glenlock. Um, just some announcements before we get started. Uh, there is a baby shower today for Jennifer and Joseph Key. Um, they're expecting a baby girl, and the shower's in the fellowship hall from 2 to 4 p.m. Um, tonight is conference at 6, followed by deacon's meeting at 7. Um, that'll be tonight. Um, the Harvest Festival is coming up. It's going to be Wednesday, October 31st, so Halloween night here at, here at the church. Um, and I was told to announce that there are bins in the back to start bringing in candy donations. Um, we need as much candy as possible to pass out to all the kids. So if you feel led to do that, there are bins in the back. If you have any other questions, you can see Erica. Um, she can let you know if you'd like to volunteer. She'll take those too. So candy and volunteers for the Harvest Festival. I just want to announce that we are continuing to fill backpacks for the Appalachian Mountain Ministry. Um, there's still some backpacks in the lobby with instructions included, so um, if you haven't picked up your backpack to fill for that ministry, please do so. Also, a couple of announcements for the youth. Uh, we are going bowling next Sunday night. Um, it's $10 a person. That includes dinner and bowling. Um, there's an information sheet in the back. We're going to leave the church. We're going to meet at the church about 4.30 and should be back about 7.30. Um, so that's next Sunday night. If you plan to go... Uh, please sign up and uh, or let me know and uh, that once again that's ten dollars also another big event that we're going to go to is a is an event called reverb it's put on by word of life um, it's an all-night event that we will be going to on november 16th there's an information sheet in the back and a sign-up sheet okay it's 45 dollars but that includes food and a hockey game and six hours of non-stop fun okay so um, I think it's well worth your money uh, to send your child there. If you would like to help any of our youth go, um, just come see me. Uh, we are taking uh, donations for that for any of our kids that want to go that just don't have the, the funds right now to do that. But I think it's going to be a great event. Um, there's a great message and a great uh, worship time each time that they have it. So I'm really excited about that. But we need to sign up by October 14th to get the best price, okay? So if you can get signed up by October 14th, please do. Um, that's very important. So I think that's all the announcements we have this morning. And I don't know exactly what I'm doing, but Catherine does. So um, for our call to worship, we're going to have responsive reading 629. Is this Bryson gets to experience responsive reading because almost all of it is our men this morning. So if you'll stand with us, we're going to open our service with a responsive reading. This comes last week, if you weren't with us, we started um, a new series and we're going to be in 2 Corinthians until Christmas um, and Advent. And um, last week we really focused on chapter 1 where it talks about the... Um, suffering we go through as Christians and the reasoning behind that um, and the comfort we receive from that. Um, and I, I joked with Anil and I said, I think our congregation, we may just follow you a week behind with our worship. But then I kind of got to think about that a week and I thought, man, you know, that really kind of makes sense though. Like we hear the word on Sunday um, and if we're doing what we should, that should carry us and we should reflect on that upon, you know, as the week goes on. Um, so that's kind of what we're doing. We're, we're summing up what we learned last week through worship to prepare our hearts um, for what 2 Corinthians 2 is going to tell us this morning. Um, so let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. 
In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you until myself, that where I am, there you may also be. I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And without, with that, let's sing together. Oh, blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the, comf and the God of all comfort. All together, let's celebrate in singing, What a Mighty God We Serve.
Amen. Good morning. What a joy it is to worship again today, and today is a very special day because we have a baptism. All baptisms are special and significant and important, but today for me as a father, this one is, 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 is quite a blessing. So I'm going to go ahead and have Bennett come in. This is Bennett. This is my youngest son. And a few weeks ago, he and I were talking, and Bennett has accepted Christ as his Savior. And he came forward a couple of weeks ago uh, to make that public, and now he stands before us about to be baptized. Tracy and I want to thank this church. We want to thank all of you who continue to pour into the children of our community. And then when it happens with your own child, it's such a special blessing. So uh, we want to thank you for your ministry to the children of Glenlock Baptist Church and the encouragement and the grace of the continual teaching of our children. So why don't we pray and give thanks to God, most of all, uh, for saving you, Bennett, and giving us the ordinance of baptism as a way of not only confessing our faith, but also of reminding us of what Christ has done for us. I told Bennett that when I put him under, that is to remind us, and, and it demonstrates that Christ what, that he died for us. And then when I take Bennett up out of the water, it's going to picture and remind us of the other truth that Christ rose from the dead for us. Amen? And that's the gospel, that he died for our sins and he rose from the dead. And, and anyone who places faith in Christ as Savior is saved. So let's give thanks to God. Father God, thank you so much for the love and the grace that you have for all of us and that you loved us and you sent your Son. God, thank you for working in Bennett's life. Thank you for giving us Bennett as a child, as a son. And as the Apostle John said, I have no greater joy than to know that my children are walking in truth. What a joy it is for me today as a father and for Tracy as a, as a mom and for all of us as a church family to celebrate uh, Bennett's baptism this morning. In Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. Amen. Bennett Aubrey, upon your profession of faith in Christ as your Lord and Savior, in an obedience to his command, I now baptize you, my son, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Good job. I love you. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. What is that old saying? Like, if that doesn't spark your fire, then the wood's wet. Is that the saying? Like, that's, that's how I feel with baptisms. You know, they just, just stir everything up, you know? Um, so the choir's about to sing a song called Come As You Are. But I just wanted to remind us really briefly what we um, studied last week in 2 Corinthians. Um, this is the living, um, the good news Bible, so it's going to read a little differently. Um, but starting in verse 6, it says, If we suffer... It is for your help and salvation. If we are helped, then you too are helped and given the strength to endure with patience the same suffering that we also endure. So our hope is in you, and it is never shaken. We know that just as you share in our sufferings, you also share in the help we receive.
mighty to save, mighty to save from every circumstance and every situation. Will you stand with us and sing mighty to save this morning?
Amen. If you would be seated and adults, adults be seated, children at this time can leave for Children's Church, which reminds me, I failed to make an announcement or have it made earlier. Uh, our nursery coordinators are working on the volunteer list again, and as always, we need volunteers. We also need volunteers who will serve as substitutes when the regular people can't, can't be there. Is that correct? Teresa, will you raise your hand? If you're interested at all in serving in nursery, please see Teresa Pate um, you know, for that ministry. What a wonderful ministry to our children and families. Okay, at this time, I'm going to ask Brother Ronnie Hopkins if he would come and share with us. Brother Ronnie? Brother Ronnie is um, a friend, a pastor, a leader, a missionary, wonderful husband, and uh, he's just all-around wonderful person. He's going to share with us about our ministry, his ministries in Nicaragua, and as a lot of you know, we go to Nicaragua regularly to serve in that ministry, so Ronnie, I don't know that you need any more introduction than that. You share with us what God has placed on your heart. Thank you, Pastor Neil. I'm everything but a, a pastor. I just fill in when I have to. <laughs> uh, but I do enjoy serving, serving the Lord, and I'm uh, excited about Nicaragua. And I want to share a, a couple of verses we found in John chapter 14. If I could just paraphrase some of it for time. Uh, you know, Jesus was getting ready to leave, and he was really trying to get his disciples to get excited, to get a vision, to know where they're going. But they had so many questions. And uh, I think, I see, one of them was, uh, he told them, he said, Let your heart not be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And old Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then uh, Philip got to him, and, and he was talking to Philip, and Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And he says, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father, Philip. And, uh, and then when we go a little further down, he says, Barely, truly, I tell you, whosoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That's passion. That's vision. He was trying to get them to get that vision, but they was trying to, make, trying to keep him there to make him king. Uh, four years ago, before um, we started working on the river, I had worked. I had helped to build a school there. We'd taken medical teams, and it was hard. I mean, I started working down there when there was no electricity, even in the main city. And uh, you had to get boats. And anyway, life is very hard on the river. Only the tough and the rugged do it. Uh, I'm about to get to be, I'm not tough and rugged as I used to be, the older I get. But anyway, I started praying, God, what do you want me to do for the next four years? We like to lay out a four-year plan. And I would go to sleep and think about the river. I'd wake up and think about the river. When I daydreamed, I was planning things on the river. And that's... Uh, God speaks to us in different ways, but I know that's how God speaks to me because I, the river was not on my mind before then to go and work there. And uh, so I said, okay, Lord, I will do it. And then I talked with Pastor Romero, and he said, Ronnie, we've been praying for you for years that you would come and work with us down here on the river. That's good confirmation also to know you're wanted to be, wanted to be on the river. 
Well, I decided, okay, I'm going to have to get people involved. I can't do this myself, so uh, we, we have a website that's where you can post if you need help. Well, I got blocked on that by my denomination. So anyway, I started, I said, God, it's your work, and I don't know how it's going to get on, but you're going to have to work it out. So all I could think of is put a little insert in your newsletter and invite some folks to come see the river. And um, so I did. And we had two from this church. We had Pastor uh, Terry and James Kingston to come. Well, I didn't know a lot what I was doing then other than just to take them on the river. And I asked Pastor Romero, I said, you plan the week for us. That's always a mistake when you ask a Nicaraguan to plan your week because their week is much harder than any week we ever thought of. So... We all, we, they got there, we got to the river, we stayed in the old building, and all we had was tents, and we tried to do our cooking on a little old stove there. Anyway, it rained morning, it rained at noon, and it rained at night. I'd never seen so much rain. These guys crawled up banks. They were either crawling or on their backslide sliding down. Poor Pastor Terry lost his shoes. He was having to go barefooted in the mud. It was, uh, it was, it was almost a nightmare for me because I wanted to take good care of them. We would go out for the day, and, and uh, I'd say, oh, I don't know where he's taking us today. We'd get to this ravine. It had one log across it, and he'd say, well, we can cross on the log, or we can go down and go through the mud. And we'd look at the log and think, if I fall, that's about 12 feet down and <laughs> to balance to get across it. So anyway, it was, a, it was a very hard time. But God honored that. You know, I took them to, these guys to the airport. I had six people with me. And I said, oh, Lord, I know I'll never see or hear from these guys again. But I did. James and Terry has been faithful. Pastor Neil's been faithful. And uh, I appreciate them so much. Y'all have a part in building a church down, a, a school down there. Has 40 children. Mayagna, indigenous people. They live in thatch huts and dirt floors. And, but they have a beautiful school that's made of concrete block painted. They have desks. They have all the material they need to learn. And it's 40 children are being educated because of you in this church. Thank you so much. But I want the three guys, if they would, to come up. I would like to give them a boat from the river. This is gifts from uh, all the people who know you in Nicaragua, from the translators who work with you. These are, and Pastor Neil, these are all just homemade. Guy on the river makes them homemade, uh, rugged boats, but it's just a. Uh, Made with love and sent with love from your friends in Nicaragua. And y'all can switch them around. Or <laughs> okay, thank y'all. In, in, in closing, I really uh, ask you to pray for Nicaragua. We're in a lot of unrest right now. I shared with the Sunday school a lot of problems going on. But God is faithful, and he still has a plan, and we're there. Well, the Bible says fear not. Lives are, are full of fear every day. If we allow fear we'll, to get us, we'll never do much of anything. 
And let me just encourage you. I just pray this morning, if you've lost your passion, your vision for ministry, for I just think everybody should be doing something for the cause of Christ. And you know what that is. God speaks to all of us. He says, oh, I knew you when you were in your mother's womb, and I had a, a plan for you. And I hope you're following that plan this morning. If you never knew Christ as your personal Savior, what a great day to have. I tell them in Nicaragua, there's nothing as wonderful as your own personal relationship. The Baptist didn't give it to you. The Methodist didn't give it to you. It's just a work between you and our Lord Jesus Christ. My wife came to know Christ. I, I would tell her. She'd come to work at a children's home, and I'd tell her how wonderful it is to know Christ. And we'd all witness to her. And she was one of these that was very serious. It had to be real for her to take a part into it. And she called me one night, and she said, I just kneeled by my bed and accepted Christ. It's more wonderful than you could even tell me. And that's who he is. It's something you can even do at home. I, I was saved in a Baptist altar, the old church in Cedartown, Georgia, Shiloh Baptist down in Eastham Hill, and gave my life to Christ there at 18, age 18. And he's been wonderful. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. We're still broken humanity. I still have to work on issues and growth every day. And that's what I want you to know. We're all broken humanity without a hope. Only our hope is through Jesus Christ. So I pray today that if you don't know him, that before this day is over, and you that used to serve and teach, and maybe storms have come and hard feelings sometime and, and work, and, well, I just don't feel I can do it anymore, roll up them sleeves, get on your knees, and say, Lord, take me and use me until I quit breathing. I just think our old people have so much wisdom they have so much they can do to mentor other young people. I'll hush. Thank you so much, and thank you for having us today. Thank you. Thank you Amen. Pastor. Thank you. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you for the Bibles. Amen. Brother Ronnie is real. Okay, he's the real thing. And I appreciate his transparency, his honesty. And uh, I got all the confidence in the world in, in, in Pastor Ronnie and, and his wisdom and, and recommendations. And uh, continue to pray for Nicaragua. We were there in January of 2017. And in just a few months' time, it went from being the safest place to be and travel to and serve in Latin America to one of the most dangerous places to serve in Latin America. And you can go online and read a good bit about what's going on there. So let's continue to pray. Uh, for Nicaragua, for Brother Ronnie, for Miss Angie and the work going on there. We are grateful uh, to be participants in what the gospel is doing in Nicaragua. Hey, let's stand, and uh, I want us to turn to 2 Corinthians. I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 1 as we transition a little bit into our message today, which Brother Ronnie was, was sharing what I hope and pray to share with you that, that Paul gave to the Corinthians. And it was their source of confidence, their hope, their security was to be in Christ, in Christ alone. And the work that God was doing in Paul and in them through the, through the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 12. I'm reading from the New American Standard, okay? And... In verse 12, the, the language may be a little different in that some of your translations there speak of boasting. Okay, so just hold that thought. 
Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1.12, Our proud confidence is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in holiness and godly sincerity, not in fleshly wisdom but in the grace of God, we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially toward you. For we write nothing else to you than what you read and understand, or what you read and understand. And I hope you will understand until the end. Just as you also partially did understand us, that we are your reason to be proud, as you also are ours in the day of our Lord Jesus. And in this confidence I intended at first to come to you, that you might twice receive a blessing. That is, to pass your way into Macedonia, and again from Macedonia to come to you, and by you to be helped on my journey to Judea. Therefore, I was not vacillating when I intended to do this, was I? Or that which I purpose, do I purpose according to the flesh? That with me there should be yes, yes and no, no at the same time? But as God is faithful, our word to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Christ Jesus, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silvanus and Timothy, that is Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but is yes in him. For as many as may be the promises of God, in him they are yes Wherefore also by him is our amen to the glory of God through us. Now he who, is, he who establishes us, read that again. He who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God, who also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge or a down payment, a guarantee. But I call God as my witness to my soul that to spare you, I came no more to Corinth. Not that we lord it over your faith, but are workers with you for your joy, for in your faith you are standing firm. Father, thank you for the reading from your word. Thank you for what Brother Ronnie has shared from your word and, and the songs and the prayers and the readings and the baptism all so far. Ultimately, Father, is to point to you and the work you've done for us in Christ and the continual work of the Spirit. May, may all of those resources, you, your Word, your Spirit, your Son, be our source of confidence daily, Lord, as we look to you for strength. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The source of our confidence. What is your source of confidence? For Paul, he had a source of confidence, and that confidence was in God, who God was, and what God had done for him in Christ, and what God would continue to do for him through the work of the Spirit. In verse 12, Paul says, Our proud confidence, our boast. Now, the Bible tells us what our boast is not to be. Paul, in other places, quoted from Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, and it's helpful to remember that the prophet Jeremiah told us as human beings, let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, let not the strong man boast of his physical strength, and that let not the rich man boast of his riches. 
But let the one who boasts, boast in this, that he knows and understands me, that I am the God who exercises loving kindness and righteousness and faithfulness on the earth. So we are not to boast in ourselves. Our confidence is not in our intellect, in our wisdom, in our wealth, in our physical strength. Those are not to be our source of confidence. But our confidence is in God alone. Or as earlier generations had before them. We have heard it said by Stuart Smalley, I'm rich enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. And sometimes that's our mentality. If I can just get smarter or just get wealthier or just get physically more talented or in shape or whatever and so on, that, that then I can have a source of confidence that will never disappoint me, that will never fail me. Paul already to the Corinthians, and they were from a very boastful culture that emphasized and highlighted man. And that's one reason why for the Corinthians, They were drawn astray by false teachers who came in looking very flashy. They had a lot of charisma. And man, they looked on top of the world. And here comes Paul and he's got all these sufferings. We talked a lot about this last week. And just to be frank, Paul, from from some of their perspectives, looked like he looked like a loser. Because he'd gone through all these difficulties and weaknesses and sufferings and So 2 Corinthians was written to change the way they saw not only Paul, but to remind them that if if they're seeing Paul wrong, they're seeing Christ wrong. They're seeing the cross wrong. So throughout 2 Corinthians, Paul and 1 Corinthians also, Paul says, look, I, I determined when I came to you to preach nothing but Christ and Him crucified. And if you're disdaining me, if you're looking down on me because I'm weak and suffering then you're not grasping the gospel. You're not grasping Christ. Because in Christ and the gospel, we have the weak dying and suffering in order to make us strong and to give us new life. So my my, my first point is before we recognize what our confidence is to be, we must confess what our confidence cannot be in. And it's, not, and it's not to be in ourselves. I have references for this. I'm not going to belabor this. But no one can boast in the presence of the Lord. No one. We're too sinful. We're too wretched. And God is too holy. We should not boast in men. Our confidence is not in other people. Although to a degree I'll share a little bit that it can be. To a degree, but not our ultimate confidence is not in people because people are sinners. They're vulnerable. They're human, just like we are. Paul was not a boastful apostle, but the super apostles who were leading the Corinthians away, they were boastful. They were arrogant. They were trumpeting their their own credentials and parading their, their own credentials before the Corinthians, and they were falling for it. Hook, line, and sinker, for lack of a better analogy. Paul knew what he was talking about. He previously had placed all confidence in the flesh. Do you know what he told the Philippians that was? He says, that's rubbish. 
I thought I was more religious than everyone else. I thought I was smarter than everyone else. I thought I was more educated than everyone else. But something happened on the road to Damascus that enlightened him on his ignorance. He saw the risen Christ. Paul thought he was doing the right thing by persecuting Christians. Paul had learned the humility of his own sinfulness and the rubbish of his own self-righteousness. So Paul told the Galatians that he will only boast in the cross of Christ. The secular values and attitudes of Corinth had affected the Corinth Christians so that now they had fallen prey to these false teachers and they were starting to ridicule the Apostle Paul. So 2 Corinthians was written as a defense of Paul's authority and as a defense of Paul's leadership, but also to prepare the Corinthians for a future visit that Paul would make. If one boasts in human achievements, then it's sinful. But if one boasts or glories in who God is and what God has done, then it's good and righteous. So what are the sources of our confidence? This morning I've got... Three basic points I want to make from the text I just read. And I'll be honest, the text I read this morning, it's, it's difficult to wrap your mind around. I wish I had a map and some drawings to show you what Paul's intentions were. He, attended, he had intended to come to them at this point. He wasn't able to make it. So some within the church were saying, Ah, oh, we know Paul now. He's not a man of his word. He's not reliable. Does he even care about us? And so the false teachers were using Paul's inability to come at a particular time to cast doubt on who Paul was and whether or not he even cared for the Corinthians. So a lot that he writes this morning that I read in, in chapter 1 deals with addressing that issue. And so these proud, self-confident false teachers who were beginning not only to affect the Corinthians in their, their thinking and their theology, but they were also undermining Paul and the cross Paul says, no, our source of confidence is. The first place that he goes for his confidence is the grace of God. Paul says, my conscience is clear. But even if my conscience is clear, that doesn't make me right. So he says in verse 12, our proud confidence is the testimony of our conscience that look at verse 12, that in holiness and godly sincerity... Look, we weren't shady. We weren't flaky. We weren't yes, no, or maybe. <laughs> he says that later. But we were holy. We, we, we were striving for purity. We were striving for and, and, and revealing our heart of hearts that, that it, it was from godly sincerity that we're conducting our ministry and our work with you, not in, not in fleshly wisdom. Paul later says, there's no good in me. There's no good in my flesh. My flesh is selfish and sinful and fallen and weak and frail and, 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 and infected with sin. But, but our godly sincerity and our holiness does not come from fleshly wisdom. But look at verse 12. Where does it come from? It comes from the grace of God. So the source of our confidence is not ourselves, but the source of our confidence which leads to a clear conscience, holiness and sincerity is what? The grace of God. 
The very fact that in spite of what we deserve, God has sent Christ not only to die for us so that we might be forgiven, God's grace not only saves us, but he supplies us by grace with all that we need to fulfill our callings, our lives, our ministry. God's grace not only saves, but, but God's grace supplies. That's why when Ronnie stands up and says, you have a calling, you have a purpose. You're sitting there thinking, I do? Yes. If you're a Christian, then God has has called you by his grace not only to be saved, but this word that Paul uses where where he's talking about God's grace, it, it means he's supplying us for a purpose and a mission. Where am I going to get the heart for that? Where am I going to get the passion for that? Paul says you're going to get the passion and the heart and the sincerity you need from God's grace. You didn't deserve salvation, and you also don't deserve his supplying. But by the grace of God, you can be confident that if God calls you into a task to love a person, to serve in the nursery, to sing in the choir, to be salt and light at work, the grace that saves you is also the grace that is going to supply what you need to do exactly what God calls you to do in that particular area of service in life. The blood of Christ had cleansed Paul's conscience from dead works and sin, and now the grace of God has transformed him and sent him with confidence to all the places that he went. His proud confidence was in the fact that he knew himself and he knew his sin, but he also knew the amazing grace of God that was not only going to save him, but supply him everything that he needed along the journey and sustain him until the end. It is grace that has brought us safe thus far, and grace will lead us home. By the grace of God, Paul says, I am what I am. And by the grace of God, I continue to be what I am. And by the grace of God, I'm going to continue to serve. What's your source of confidence this morning? Is it in how wonderful you are and how well you are performing? Or are you relying totally on the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ, not only to save you and forgive you, but to give you daily the heart and the passion you need? One of my favorite poems is by a lady named Annie Johnson Flint. I hope I can find it to read it. She speaks in her difficulties of the grace that God continues to provide not only at salvation, but in daily life. And Paul had talked about the weaknesses and the burdens. What is Paul? What's going on with him? Why isn't he here? Why isn't he more impressive in, in, in how he behaves around us? Paul says, I'm just trusting God's grace is my confidence. And Annie Johnson Flint said, He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength. When the labors increase, to added affliction, he addeth his mercy to multiplied trials, his multiplied peace. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving is only begun. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure, his power no boundary known unto men, for out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. His grace is sufficient not only 
to save, but to supply the confidence, the conscience, the holiness, the godly sincerity, not your fleshly wisdom, but Paul says, by the grace of God, we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially toward you. Our motives, our intentions, our behaviors, yes, we are sinful, yes, we are fallen, but by the grace of God, we've done everything that we know to do. That's what he says in response to those who are questioning his sincerity and his integrity. The second source of his confidence is the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God. Not, not his faithfulness. Paul knew. Paul knew his faithfulness was limited. Paul knew that he was, it's difficult for us to keep our promises. So he points away from himself to what? The faithfulness of God. Now you might have missed this. As I said, it's difficult to wrap our minds around. But basically they were saying, and Paul addresses this, when he says, verse 17, I was not vacillating. I was not back and forth. I was not indecisive. I told you I was going to come to you, but I, I didn't come. But I had your ultimate good in mind. And what he says to them is, had I come when, I had come, when you thought I should come, it would have been bad timing. You know, timing is crucial. Timing often is everything. And so Paul says, look, I didn't come when you thought I should come because had I come then, it would have been bad for you and me. It would have been a very difficult visit. So instead of Paul going in person where there would have been confrontation, and, and, and in the weeks to come we'll see what that confrontation would have been over, Paul sends a letter. Sometimes it's always better to write the letter than to go face-to-face -face because you know if I go face-to-face, -face, this, this isn't going to be good. So he sends a letter. It was called a harsh letter. The Corinthians read the harsh letter. They began to respond correctly with repentance and love and understanding to the harsh letter. And so following the harsh letter, they, the Corinthians began to change. Not full-fledged, perfect change, but they were headed in the right direction. So that Paul writes 2 Corinthians later to say, Okay, I'm going to come to you again, and this time it's going to be with joy. So here it is. Sometimes because we're limited and sinful, and because of the providence and the sovereignty of God, we're not able to keep some of the things we say we will do. We are not omnipotent. We are not omniscient. We are not in control of the universe. And somebody, sometimes somebody may say, I will see you Monday at 5 o'clock, but they're not able to make it. And in fact, they may have really good reasons why they're not able to make it. But the false teachers were saying, Paul's not showing up because he doesn't care about us. Paul says, no, that's, that, that couldn't be further from the case. But what he does is, is look at verse 17 and 18. And all the other verses, right? <laughs> Bear with me. Paul says, I was not vacillating when I intended to do this, was I? They're questioning his integrity and his faithfulness. He says, that which I purpose, do I purpose according to the flesh? You know, am I just in this for me? Am I being selfish and egotistical? And this is all about me? If they really knew Paul and what he had gone through for Christ and the Corinthians, they wouldn't be asking any of these things. There will be trust. There will be margins. Love believes the best. They didn't love Paul. They didn't believe the best about his motives and his intentions. 
Paul says with me, is there yes? Yes and no and no? <laughs> you know, am I, am I saying one thing and doing another or, or giving you the runaround? Or, you know, it's like those little notes in elementary school, you know, <laughs> will you go with me? <laughs> yes, no, and maybe. <laughs> you know, Paul, are you coming to visit us? Yes, no, or maybe. You always put maybe in case there's still hope, right? But look at what he says, and this is what you and I are called to do. Look, I'm, I'm not the good news. I'm not the gospel. You're not the gospel. Paul was not the gospel. Even our personal testimonies are not the gospel. In fact, sometimes I'm not good news. Sometimes I'm bad news. And sometimes you're not good news. Sometimes you're trouble. <laughs> And we're trouble and we're bad news because we're sinners. And we're selfish. And we're harsh. And sometimes we're domineering. I could go on and on about how sometimes when we walk in the room, people don't say, well, there's good news. Glad to see you. No, sometimes they're shaking their head. So here's what a Christian should do. Here's what a pastor should do. Here's what all leaders who want to instill confidence in their people. Look, I'm not your source of confidence because I know my own sin and I know my own... But let me tell you where to look. What does he say in verse 18? You're questioning what I'm doing and where I'm going and how things... And you're making it all about me. Paul says it's not about me. He says in verse 18 what? God is faithful. Ah, there's our source of confidence. Now, we're called to be honest, and we're called to be salt and light, and we're called to be promise keepers and covenant keepers, and we're called to be faithful and reflect His faithfulness. But ultimately, we recognize that God is faithful to a degree that none of us can ever be, right? And not only that, Paul says, Our word to you is not yes and no. Who's the word? Look at verse 19. It's the Son of God. Christ. Look, you're worried about whether or not we showed up at a certain time and place? We preach Christ to you. He is the Messiah, the Savior. I preached him. Silas preached him. Timothy preached him. And when you talk about Jesus, it's not yes, no, or maybe. When you lift up Christ, it is absolutely yes, now and forever. That's what he's saying. It was not yes and no, but it's yes in Christ. You want a yes in your heart of hearts today? You want confidence and you want hope? Look to Christ. Look at the promises that God fulfilled in order to bring Christ to earth. Read the Old Testament. Verse 20, as many as may be the promises of God, look, in Him they are what? Yes. God is faithful to His promises. If God kept the promise to send His Son to be a sacrifice of atonement on our behalf, then Paul says elsewhere, He's going to keep all His promises. If He kept what we would consider to be the most difficult one by pouring His wrath out on His Son and He raised Him up from the dead, triumphant, then, then all of God's promises are yes. And look at verse 20. He is going to give in our heart of hearts an amen to the glory of God through us. What does amen mean? It means I believe it. I affirm it. It means that's, that in our heart is, is what we cling to. 
One little boy told my grandfather, he says, amen means you like good preaching. <laughs> amen. He's saying, look, our confidence is in the faithfulness of God. And we preach the most confident, solid thing that you could ever cast your life, your soul, your all, and that we preach Christ. Christ is not yes or no or maybe. Christ is a resounding yes. So you see Jesus going into the temptation in the wilderness. And Satan is offering Jesus the comfortable way, the convenient way, the expedient way. And Jesus says to Satan a resounding no, no. Throw yourself down. So forth and so to every temptation, no. And then in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus goes before the Father and he says, Father, is there any other way? If there is another way, uh, let, let's, let's go the other route. And he's praying uh, sweat drops of blood. His disciples are they're being faithless. I can't count on these guys. They're asleep. That's, there's, there's us. Is there another way? And the Father gives his Son a resounding no. And the Father gave the Son a resounding no so that Christ could go to the cross for us so that you and I would forever have a strong, eternal yes. Right? So no matter what we're going through, no matter how the foundations may be shaking, we look to Christ as evidence of the sovereign, perfect faithfulness of God and we cast everything on Him because we know that if, that if God, and the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit work together in sacrifice and submission to be that for us, then we can fully rely on Him perfectly forever and ever and ever. The faithfulness of God. But that's not all. You're like, that's not all? <laughs> that's not all. The other thing that Paul emphasizes is the Spirit of God, the work of the Spirit of God. So we have the unmerited, powerful grace of God, the unalterable and absolute faithfulness of God, and then we've got the continual and ever-present work of the Spirit of God. I just want to highlight this, and then I'll close. After he talks about God's promises being fulfilled in Christ, the Son of God, he then starts talking about the Spirit of God, which God has anointed us with. Meaning He has anointed us especially for a mission or a task. God has also sealed us, in verse 22, with His Spirit. And He's given us in our hearts a pledge, a guarantee, that gives us security now through what some have called felt Christianity, meaning, meaning not only do I know that Christ died for me, and not only do I know that God is faithful, but the Spirit lives in my life to empower me and equip me and to assure me that I belong to God and nothing can take me from His hands and that greater is He who is in me than He in the world. And so Paul says, I call God as my witness. The Spirit is in my heart as a pledge. And the little boy's flying a kite. The older skeptic comes by and he says, it's a cloudy day. <laughs> yeah, you flying a kite? I don't, see the, I don't see the kite itself. How do you know you have a kite up there? The clouds are low. The little boy says, oh, I'm flying a kite. 
The man says, how do you know you're flying a kite? The little boy says, well, every now and then I feel a, I feel a tug. <laughs> I feel that way sometimes about the Spirit and the work of the Spirit in our lives, that we are sealed, we are anointed, we are saved, and God has given us His Spirit in our hearts as a pledge, as a guarantee that we are saved, that our destiny is secure, that we have a brand new life and nothing to lose and everything to gain. If we really look at this text, Paul has brought in three great witnesses. He's brought in the witness of the Father, the witness of the Son, and the witness of the Holy Spirit. He's brought in the whole Trinity, okay, to give us confidence. Not arrogance, not rudeness, not trying to intimidate people and set people off and make people feel uneasy, but a humble confidence that you're relying totally and completely, not on yourself, but on something much greater, the grace and the Son and the Spirit of God. Brother Ronnie, thank you for this boat. I remember seeing the guy who made these boats down there that day at the clinic. He was working on some and, and gave them out. And, and y'all... The, the boats that we went in up the river weren't much bigger than this, okay? <laughs> and Terry and James and I, Terry and James had already been, so they kind of knew what to expect. And I know we are not to put our confidence in human beings, but the more, the more you come to know the gospel in Christ, the more reliable your word should be, let your yes be yes, your, no, your character should be. You should begin to reflect the faithfulness and the integrity of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in your life. So I say all that to say, when I go to Nicaragua, I've got full confidence in Ronnie <laughs> and in his leadership team. I have zero confidence in myself. But I'm fully relying on them to show and guide and lead and to safely propel me not only along my journey there in Nicaragua, but to safely get us back. And we're totally independent because we don't know, we don't know what it's like down there, but they do. They have experience, they have integrity, they have the skills, they've got all that it takes for us to go and fully rely on them in a, in, a, in a place that, that we're unfamiliar with. In the same way, you and I should fully rest our confidence on who God is, what He's done for us, and what He will continue to do in this journey called discipleship. And the Apostle Paul has said, my proud confidence is not in us, not to us, but to God and His Son, and His Spirit. That's enough to give us confidence. To go out and share the gospel with boldness. To be salt and light in our homes and in our community. There's nothing to be afraid of. We, we are sealed and anointed by Him forever and ever. And God is going, to, he is going to do this good work through us as a church. And He's going to continue to do that work. So, so let's be bold and let's be courageous and let's be confident. Not arrogant, rude, or proud because we know who we are, but we also know who God is, right? Let's pray. Father, thank you for being our Heavenly Father. And as the disciples said, it'll, it'll be enough if we, just, 
If we just know the Father, that'll be enough. Well, Father, you've revealed who you are in Christ. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. May our confidence rest in Christ and Christ alone. Not in our skills or abilities, not in our particular resources, but God, in the the power of of you and your spirit to, to empower those things, to be used in a great way for you. And you've promised that if we will share the gospel, that you will work there. You will... You have ordained the means by which you save and transform and work in our personal lives and in our world. So, so we exalt Christ with confidence that, that Father, that is, that is your way of working and saving and moving. Father, continue to equip us and continue to give us the, the passion to rely on you and your grace and the power of the good news. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Take time to be holy. Amen. You come as we say.
Seated. If our ushers would come forward now, we'll take our offering.